All right, let's take a minute to talk about game time. If you've been tuning in over the last couple months to Tampering, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. You know, this week, LeBron, the Lakers, they're going to Milwaukee. They're going to play the Bucks. You're getting out of work late. You're heading up uh, I-94. All of a sudden, you know you've got some time. You can make it to this game tonight. You don't didn't want to pay the exorbitant, exorbitant amount for tickets. Uh, you know, face value. So you go to GameTime.com. You watch the tickets, ticket prices drop just as the ball goes in the air. It's perfect. Now, GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a ten dollar credit. Here's what you do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account, and under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score some last-minute tickets. Welcome to Tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varner. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to put in the cover trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. Is that what I'm just saying? Everybody, we don't think I tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Tampering, the Athletics NBA Insiders Podcast. I am Joe Varden, safe and sound and warm at my home in Bay Village, Ohio, and I am joined via satellite by my esteemed colleague, partner, and friend from somewhere else. I'm not sure. Uh, We're talking to Sam Amick. Sam, what's up? Joe Varden, what's up, sir? You you don't know where I'm at in the in the icy tundra of well, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A rare you trip. You were just telling me about how you bounced your forehead off the street in Dallas, and then I forgot. <laughs> um, so was he in Dallas or he was in Milwaukee? So I thought you. I thought we would let so you. So it was tell. all all right. It was all a setup just to get. I knew you were going <laughs> to do this. To me. A setup to to get me to share the humbling story of this painful road trip, uh, Toronto to Dallas to Milwaukee. Uh, honestly, I've enjoyed myself quite a bit from the standpoint of not cities that as a West coast based guy, I normally get to, um, you know, a couple of cold ones in there, but that's okay. It's, you know, tis the season, but the, uh, the Dallas story to which you are alluding, one of the more humbling experiences of my recent lifetime. Um, I was, uh, watching quite a few basketball games in downtown Dallas on a, an off night and, uh, had dinner, Watched games, was headed back to the hotel, probably 10, 30, 10 o'clock, something like that, not too late, and uh, decided that rather than take a lift back to the, the Renaissance Hotel, which is about two miles from downtown Dallas, was where I was staying, 
I uh, forgot that I was, you know, a 40 plus year old Joe and decided to rent a lime scooter and take a scooter back to the hotel. And I've done it before. They're a little bit of a kick, like I get up to 15 miles an hour or so. And so I'm barreling down the road and trying to get back to the hotel and topping out like 15, catch a bump, put on my Superman cape, go flying for maybe 10 or 12 feet, <laughs> hit the deck. Um, I mean, the best part, Joe, is that I hit the deck. And there's nothing like, like, like a, a quiet moment by yourself where you have no witnesses, nobody around to laugh at you, but plenty of reason to laugh at yourself. Um, but it also hurt like hell. So I get up and I'm just shaking my head like, what in the hell are you doing here? <laughs> I have my backpack on with my laptop. So, uh, you know, make that part clear to the athletic bosses. We got lucky laptops in good shape. No problems there. Uh, cell phone was intact. Uh, but to, to speed the story up, like it, I make it back to the hotel. I'm, I'm in a fair amount of pain. The worst part was that the uh, the throttle on these bikes is on the right side, so it was my right arm. So I'm just having to agonize through, you know, to to actually get this thing to go because I still have a ways to go to get back to the hotel. And you know, thought it wasn't that serious. By the next day, I thought the damn thing was broken. I was about to ask the Mavs. I went to the the Mavs Miami game where Luka Doncic unfortunately got hurt. And, and so the running joke that night at the game was that like when Luka gets out of the x-ray machine, maybe I could use it to see, you know, what the, uh, the status is with the arm. But I think we're, we're going in the right direction. Arms feeling a little bit better. It's a, a serious sprain, maybe 10 to, you know, 10 days to two weeks, you know, I'll be back before long. So as you might have guessed, I have questions. <laughs> Ask questions. Uh, the first one is. I'm not sure I want all of your questions. <laughs> what is the significance of the lime scooter? Like, if it was chartreuse, would you still have crashed onto the pavement? No, the limes that we're now giving them uh, free advertising. Um, it's not not very positive advertising. That's the name of the company. Oh, so, okay. name of the company. Jokes aside, like it's in a vacuum. It's a funny story. Um, if you Google. Now we're giving them the worst kind of pub. If you Google Lime scooters and like injuries, you will see copious headlines of this <laughs> issue. This is a this has gone quickly from like a, a fun new mode of transportation to a, a very dangerous thing because it's it's that gray area between being somebody who's on a bicycle and then being in a car. And so, you know, it does it puts you in situations. I mean, I had a moment even after I got hurt where it's like, all right, I'm going this way. I see the hotel is You've probably seen this particular hotel. It's like this kind of out by itself, very easy to see from a distance. And so I'm heading towards it. And next thing you know, I'm like, I'm on a road that I shouldn't be on. Like, it's just not the safest way to get around. And so they've been having accidents like crazy. It's like a good country song. So um, now were you texting while scooting? Is that what happened? No, they're like, they're tedious enough that you can't really get away with grabbing the phone. Like you grab the phone, it's going to... You know, the, the, the handlebars are probably going to flip and you're going to flip with it. So that was not happening. No texting. <laughs> and it's like my, my my favorite part is like, OK, you wreck a lime scooter um, and, you know, you're hurt, you're injured. And as you said, there's no one there to see this. <laughs> and and yet here we are, you know, talking to the masses about this. It's like if a tree falls in the forest, the tree doesn't then go down to the lumber yard and tell them about how ungraceful it was. I mean, like, no, but here's you know, the, here's the tell. You could you could have held on to this one. I could have held on to this one. 
the man upstairs looking at me and laughing, uh, you know, <laughs> all my late beloved ones in, in my life, uh, I'm sure we're having a good chuckle. Uh, the tell and, and the reason I couldn't keep it to myself, which is a fair point, is because uh, I am a right-handed person who typically shakes people's hands with my right arm. And the worst part of this whole saga has been I go to the Mavs game and I, I basically had to keep explaining to people in kind of the short version why when they said hello, I was giving them my left arm or like a fist pound type of deal. So that was super awkward. And then I swear – like Murphy's Law kicked in. I must have met like 17 new people who I'd never met before that night. Okay. So then, then you have like, it's even worse when you've never met a person because your first impression is this guy like throwing his off arm at you in a, in a not impressive, like fish kind of way. Um, you know, and, and you don't have the comfort level to sit there and, and, and get to the actual story to explain. It was just a lot to navigate through. I do need to give a hat tip and a shout out um, to a, an NBA executive. And this is perfect for our pod. I think, you know, we always traffic in front office uh, dynamics and whatnot. So I'm at the Mavs game, got some time with Mark Cuban talking about Luca, talking about his Mavs. We're sitting courtside and Larry Harris comes by. So GM of the Warriors works underneath Bob Myers in the Golden State group. Uh, Larry and I get along really well. And I see Larry and, uh, he just was very enthusiastic and like always very positive. And, and, and because of like the, the way that Larry came at me, like with such good energy, I didn't want to ruin it by giving him the off arm. So I decided to man up and just try to shake his hand. But Larry gives me like the King Kong version of the handshake. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating the story. Like I let out an audible yell, <laughs> like shakes the hand. And it's just like, ah, and Mark and Larry, you're looking at me like, so now, now, like to your point, you know, now I got to tell the story and it's like, it's, it's, it's been hard to, uh, hard to avoid. So I could use a, a few days of R and R at home. Yeah. I mean, what you needed in that case was the blue, uh, apron mitt that Kyle Lowry was wearing around between games in the finals last year. Um, as, as the indicator. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Just don't like he was, you know, he was at the uh, NBA cares event between games one and two. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yep. Right. And, and uh, shaking hands with his left hand, which brings us to our first topic today, uh, other than your uh, broken body parts. Um, both of us were in Toronto last week uh, for to watch Kawhi get his ring um, from the Raptors and then lead the Clippers to like a 20 point victory. And here we are. We're at the quarter point. Uh, the Clippers have been fine. Um, it seems like both uh, Kawhi and the Raptors have moved on from each other as well as as you could ever have expected. Certainly from the the Raptors' perspective. Um, and then you have you know a Clipper team uh, led by Kawhi. They also have Paul George as deep as anybody. The bench won that game by. I, I can't even remember what it was. It one, it's, at one point, the bench scoring was like 40 to 8. Um, and I think garbage time e e evened that up a little. But it just kind of spoke to the Clippers' depth. Um, you know, just having spent some time with the Clippers, what is it about them and, and Kawhi that, that stands out to you first? To call them underwhelming is wildly inaccurate. Like they've been very good, but they've just had so many different iterations of lineups and Kawhi not playing, Kawhi playing. Um, you know, waiting for Paul George when he was coming off the shoulder surgeries that they, they kind of have filled this lane all their own when it comes to the, 
contenders within the regular season. But none of that takes away from the fact that, I mean, I still feel very confident saying now, like we all did during the summer, that title contender, you know, legit shortlist elite team that is going to be there and be heard from, you know, when it matters most this season. But because of their unique kind of arc of the way it's all come together, they're just, you know, they are not part of the regular season show, so to speak. When you talk about the Lakers and the, the like actual showtime that is happening with that group, I mean, behind the, you know, through the legs passes to Dwight for dunks and, you know, Rajon Rondo and LeBron having fun yesterday in Atlanta, you know, alley-oops and fake blocks, all these different things like the Lakers entertainment value and their record is off the charts. Same thing with the Bucks. I'm out here in Milwaukee and these guys quietly have won 18 games in a row, which is nothing to sneeze at at all. So the Clippers, it's just, there's more nuance to their story, but still very much uh, capable of contending with, you know, teams like that. So the thing in, um, I ha- actually haven't watched the Clippers play since. I know they've played a couple times. Uh, and Kawhi, I think, missed one of those games anyway. Uh, maybe a loss to Chicago. But um, so, you know, we saw Kawhi at, at the start of the year against the Lakers opening night. was awesome. Um, was just out to just out to an incredible start. Looked like he had picked right up where he had left off with the Raptors in the finals. And then he... He and the Clippers welcomed his own his old team to Staples Center, and that was the beginning of a pretty prolonged stretch of just kind of eh on Kawhi's part. Um, you know his numbers, like top line statistics in terms of points, um, were okay uh, in part because he was able to get to the foul line. But he is shooting a career worst uh, field goal percentage. He's, he's shooting under forty five percent. And uh, that that is due in large part to this streak of like 10 or 11 games. And he had a big night um, the weekend before in against the Wizards who give up points to everybody. And then he played well. I think he shot 8 of 14 against the, against the Raptors. So it's a long way of, of me kind of getting to the point about what have we seen from Kawhi in terms of do we think he is healthy or he isn't. A, a Clipper source had explained it to me that um, what you're seeing is just Kawhi getting his legs under him, which I guess um, if you're going to say that he didn't do much during training camp, but I, I think this has more to do with even going back to what you and I reported during the finals that that he had developed some some further extenuating leg issues because he was overcompensating for the hamstring injury from two years ago that had kept him out. Right. Yeah. I mean that that left quad tendinopathy was the initial thing that you know, had him only playing nine games for San Antonio that one year, the overcompensating um, that, that led to the other side. And now since then, the mystery of, of his status, they, they try to keep it close to the vest. Kawhi likes his privacy. We had the load management saga and controversy and nonsense where the league and the Clippers had two very different, you know, kind of versions of the story. And next thing you know, Doc Rivers is getting fined. So, the health stuff we're going to keep monitoring. I don't know what to make of the shooting stuff with Kawhi. I will say that it was to me pretty significant the other night, uh, the way that he and Paul George just absolutely exploded together at the same time, because that had not really happened. They play Minnesota and they have a combined 88 points, you know, 46 and 42. Yeah. That was the first time where, you know, that's the, the script, you know, at its best that they were hoping to see. And that's big. So, uh, the thing about Kawhi too is that 
you know, I, it's like I would caution any of us to pay too much attention to the fool's gold that is regular season lack of dominance. Because with the Raptors, it's it's funny how quickly we forget. You know, early last season, midway through last season, you know, there there was good reason to write things about the Raptors and how like some of the teammates of Kawhi's. It's not that they were upset with him for load management, but it made their lives a little tricky. Oh yeah, stories about like Fred Van Vliet coming to the to the to the gym, so to speak, and not knowing, you know, am I starting? Am I not? And and like having that uncomfortable dynamic that we thought mattered at that time, but then when it was winning time and when it was the playoffs, you know, we know what happened. So, you know, I, I don't doubt. I mean, I think they're going to iron all this stuff out. By the time the playoffs come around, they're just not going to be as sexy during the regular season as some of those other squads. Yeah, I, I, I would actually see. I, I would argue that um, feathers were ruffled legitimately by, I think, by that, um, by the, by the sort of the whole load management thing last year uh, in in Toronto, and in part because what they do there is coming from what direction? The players? The, yeah, I think kind of every. I mean, name names, I, I, Joe. I, name names. I mean, certainly the players, um, just because there was an expectation of them to play. Um, that was the thing that the yeah. Raptors did. So they don't have that luxury. Yeah, I mean, that like they preached, and I'm not sure they do it quite as much anymore. But but certainly before last season and going into last season, they preached to play as much as you can. If you can play 82 games, then you should play 82 games. That was sort of the mantra there. And obviously with Kawhi, that was totally different. Now. It worked out all right, I think, for everybody involved. Um, so yeah, so I think the Clippers have a totally diff- different uh, mentality to this. There, there is still something to say. I have two questions for you with this. One is like I'm thinking about the Lakers and I'm thinking about their dynamic tandem there with LeBron and AD, and those two. I know we'll get to the Lakers in a minute, but they they do different things, right? Like LeBron and Anthony Davis are in fact different players. And so I'm wondering if when we talk about how dominant the Clippers could be in the playoffs, are are are, are Kawhi and PG different enough um, that they can affect you know wide swaths of the game? So that's my first question. And then the second thing is, between those two, do they have enough ball handling in the playoffs, or is that something they need to address here by February sixth? I tend to think they're okay on that front. It's, it's a, you know, I mean, Paul is a, a very good playmaker. Kawhi's playmaking has gotten quite a bit better the last couple of years. You know, Pat Beverly certainly has never been mistaken for Magic Johnson. Um, but I don't have as much concern uh, as some others on that front. But I think the concern about skill set and duplication, I mean, it's a fantastic problem, you know, and problems should be in quotations, but problem to have um you know and, and if you compare it to lebron and ad if you're asking me like in terms of fit which duo do i like better i would say if you can tell me that you know 35 year old lebron is going to be this guy for a while then i'm going to pick that duo um so you know I, I get your point there too but again the, you know we can't sleep on their their depth either because i think specifically as the course of the year goes on lou williams and Montrezl harrell are going to get more and more comfortable with the way they fit in, because even that uh, is a unique landscape. Dan Wicke, our buddy from the LA times and I were talking the other day about, you know, he was making the point that with Lou and Montrez that a, that a scout had mentioned to him that it's like those two guys together kind of represent the Clippers third star, so to speak. 
uh, you know, the third weapon that they have, but it's tough because you still have one ball and, and, uh, and only so many possessions and they're having to work through that type of stuff too. So it goes back to the thing we started with at the beginning, the Clippers have more nuance, more gray area, more wrinkles to, to kind of iron out than some of these other teams. So, yeah, I mean, um, whereas you were crashing scooters into telephone poles, um, by yourself in Dallas with Dan Wakey, all we did was was drink copious amounts of wine uh, in Toronto, and uh, which which brings me to our guest who is hanging out with you in Milwaukee uh, because he lives there. Um, and still, I think I made the same joke when we brought him on for the first time last year. We have still not had a drink with him. So, um, but he's only twenty two, and of course, we're talking about uh, Eric <laughs> Eric Name. Just you know, he's a year removed from his twenty first birthday. Eric, what's up, man? Oh man, uh, you did not get to partake, but Sam and I had had a good night last night. So uh, don't ah. you're you're the one that's missing out now. <laughs> All right, I well, should I'll add, be there. I, I should add on. I told Eric today at shoot around because um, Eric got the whole scooter story, and I was bemoaning that saga. And we're hanging out, and, I, and in real time, um, and not to go down this rabbit hole, but like we're at the Courtyard Marriott. And, you know, shout out to the Marriott, uh, our Milwaukee Courtyard Marriott. They have this fantastic like bistro, chill zone area where we're chilling, hanging out, pool table, TV is in our control. And having a couple glasses of wine, and as Eric's telling me different stories, I keep kind of stretching my arm out and noticing, like, boy, this is feeling better by the minute. You know, like this is really getting better quickly. And I was, it was really exciting for me. And then at shoot around today, I'm like, man, Eric, I forgot like the deceitful kind of quality of red wine. It, it tends to uh, trick you a little bit because it didn't feel as good this morning. So <laughs> to be fair, in the moment, I told you this is why Amari Stoudemire used to bathe in red wine. Like this is yes. this that was it right there. That's why. Absolutely. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at Calm.com. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash tampering. That's us, tampering. Again, that's C-A-L-M dot com slash tampering. So, all right, the Bucks, and we've got our we've got our esteemed Bucks rider here, of course, Eric Name. Uh, Giannis is having a historic season. He's the reigning MVP, and the Bucks are four and a half games up on the Heat um, in in the East. That's a four and a half game lead a quarter of the way into the season. I mean, it's too early to say it's over, but my goodness, uh, the, the Bucks have just blown the doors off of this conference. Um, or, you know, and they lost Brogdon. So guys, are they, are they somehow better than they were a year ago? What's, what's going on here? I don't think they're better. I think they know themselves a lot better. And what I mean by that is they understand Bud's system on both sides of the ball. There's no 
oh, feeling out process. How's this all going to work out? Like last year, there was they won the first seven games of the season, and then they went every other for about I think about fifteen games, and then December first, Chris Middleton gets benched against the Knicks because he's not giving good effort because he's mad about the shots that Bud has him shooting in the offense, and there was just kind of that that stretch in December and, you know, at the start of January where they were feeling themselves out. Like they were trying to figure out how this work, how do I work individually in Bud's system? And it got, I kind of want to say it was rough, but you know, they were kind of trying to figure it out night to night. They, they didn't know exactly where they should be, how this is all going to work. And they lost games because of that. And this year there's none of that. Everyone kind of knows the deal. The only person that really had to feel out that his role that was significant was Wesley Matthews. And we saw him struggle for the first 10 or so games. And now in the last 15, he's just kind of understood what he's supposed to do. He's on, he gets when he's going to get catch and shoot looks from Giannis. And now it's not that there's, there's no way Wesley Matthews is as good as Malcolm Brogdon. Obviously we're seeing that with Brogdon getting a larger role uh, in Indiana, but for what they need from the fifth starter, it's more than fun. Like that, that is totally fine. So this team just knows itself really well. It knows what it wants to do on both ends. And because they know those things so well, that's a real pain for any team one trying to figure it out or two that doesn't have as much talent as them. Like we've right. go ahead. Well, um, S- Sam has been hanging out with some of their deep thinkers. And so I want to get to him in a second. You have exactly three seconds to answer this question. And if you take over three seconds, you lose. Okay. Got it. Good. Got it. Good. Okay. Yep. In, th- in three seconds, Eric, tell me the two road games, the bucks lost go thousand one. Jazz and Celtics. Ah, I'm sorry. What? I think that was 3.4. Oh, oh, that hurt. All right, Scott. That's Foster. it. That's it, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's uh, you know, it's few and far between. They're 18 and three. But Sam, this is what I. This is like what popped in my head. So, so kind of Eric was telling us what they are, what he's seen, what. In your sort of with some of the work you've been doing, who do the Bucks think they are, and are they a complete team yet? They they talk like it. Um, Chris Middleton and I chatted this morning, and you know I had asked him specifically about losing Malcolm and the question of you know, and I kind of tried to ask it respectfully to honor what they have already accomplished. I'm not trying to talk to them like they are kind of Johnny Newcomer on the scene, but I said, did you guys need a winning streak like this at any point to either remind yourselves kind of who you are, even with the changed roster or, you know, to kind of crystallize this new version, um, you know, from an identity standpoint, is this meaningful and did you need it? And he pushed back pretty hard on that and, and made it very clear that his opinion is that they knew who they were going into the year. He gave a quick hat tip to Malcolm you know, discuss some of the stuff that Eric highlighted, but you know, their confidence level as a group that has now been winning games on the regular uh, with the best of the best for quite some time appears to have survived just fine, even with, you know, Malcolm heading to Indiana and they've got a culture. Like we talk about that all the time. Um, You know, they've got one of my favorite cultures in the league, at least what I've learned about it and their wiring, their personality, their selflessness, their joy, all those things, like I'm a sucker for that stuff. You know, when it's propaganda, uh, I, th- I think you can sniff it out. 
and I don't get the sense that's what this is. And I, I think I cannot wait to see, you know, in late April and May, kind of what that leads to, uh, because we we all know the backdrop here, and we know what's on the line. You know, the Bucks are hoping against hope that Giannis will decide to sign that super max this summer and that he can become a Steph Curry type talent where you stay with one franchise you know, your whole career and that that's the story. But we also know that Giannis's expectations are, are that, that he wants to be a champion. And, and so there's kind of a, kind of a ripple effect here. So Bud, um, you know, we know that, that coach Bud, Mike Budenholzer, who now looks like Conan O'Brien, um, he, we know that he's got a bad playoff record, at least when it comes to you know winning the big one or whatever. Um, he he is a culture builder, and and the reason why I say that now is because I'm listening to you guys, uh, you two, describe what's going on in Milwaukee. I've spent a little bit of time around the Bucks uh, this year, and certainly would would agree with all that. Um, but then you also, if you go back and you and you think about his Hawks teams and think of sort of where they all are now. And when you ask those players about Bud or you ask Bud about those players from those Hawks teams that were really good, the 60-win team, um, some of the teams around there, uh, they they love him and, and he loves them. And it just – you know, they didn't get there because they ran up against LeBron um, and they lost to champions. You know, they lost to a finals champ. They lost to uh, – you know, a finals runner up a couple times or, or another time, excuse me. And then, you know, last year with the Bucks, I mean, yeah, it, it didn't happen for them um, in the conference finals, but they lost to the champs, you know. So, so Mike is, you know, he's taken, I think, some, some very good stuff from his time with the Spurs and he's brought it to the last two places that he's been. And now, I mean, obviously, if they didn't get it done and, and get back to the finals or get to the finals this year, it would be probably a, a fairly large disappointment, don't you guys think? 100%. This season is a failure if they don't make it to the finals. Not that they, do, they don't win the finals. The, the Clippers and Lakers are both worthy in my mind. But if they don't make the finals, I, I think this season is a failure. And I don't like to discuss basketball in those terms. Like I, I'm very much a fan of nuance and, and thinking through all these these different things and the possibilities and all the things that can happen. But for them to be that close last year and then have, I mean, essentially that series. And again, there's, there's plenty of people that will say, Bud didn't make the proper adjustments and, and all of that, which I think is fair. Uh, they didn't have an answer. They lost four straight games, but I think you can kind of put that series on. Giannis wasn't as good as Kawhi and Giannis will tell you that himself. He, he told me that, Three days after the series was over, he told me that a month ago, told me that two months ago. That's what he feels. He wasn't as good as Kawhi, and he wants to be better. And two, Fred Van Vliet had a kid and turned into Steph Van Vliet, where he was shooting 80% <laughs> from the three-point line. And it was – I mean, it was, it was truly unbelievable to watch him play like that. And those two things, to me, swung the entire series. So with all of that knowledge in mind, for them to – no longer have to go through Kawhi and for Giannis to be a year older and be a year better and do all the things that he wants to do each year, each off season. It would, to me, it would be a failure if this team doesn't go to the NBA finals. All right. We want to take a quick break. Um, to deliver here a little special message from our sponsors. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually guys just brush it off or blame themselves saying things like, I lost my mojo 
or they avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm not feeling it, can we just go to bed? Pretending like the problem isn't there doesn't solve anything. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com tampering and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash tampering. That's T-A-M-P-E-R-I-N-G to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash tampering for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash tampering. Can I just, can I follow that, Joe, by quickly saying, uh, first of all, I agree with Eric and the finals or bust. I also... And, you know, because Eric was nice enough to take time out of his busy Milwaukee day to join us, I'm going to suck up to Eric a little bit. He kind of <laughs> casually mentioned that uh, Giannis told me this at this point. Giannis told me that, that at that point. <laughs> Giannis tells Eric a lot. Uh, yes. And I, and I have to say, as a national dude who enjoys – I mean, I was beat writer for a long time, and, and I know the grind, and I know the politics and the relationship stuff. Um, Eric is – easily one of my favorite people to read on our staff. And uh, the thing that I love is that this Buck story from a storytelling standpoint, because of how transcendent Giannis is, is the type of thing that has been built from the ground up. Um, And this is where the athletic commercial part of the program comes into play, but it's genuine, like having Eric's viewpoint on what these guys are doing is incredible and you know we we, part of that last night we talked about different backstories of where Giannis's head is at things about you know how he's going to see his future um anyway Eric's got his pulse on it Eric I told you that last night figured I'd share it on here you're just killing it man doing a great job it's very nice of you to say I could just see this I could see Sam saying that like over how much wine did you guys have (laughs) two glasses Joe man you're gonna get me in trouble <laughs> nah. Might have been old fashioned in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he's yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's when you get a chance to cover a star from a beat perspective, uh, you got to make the most of it. We've spent well and quite it, a bit of time. Yeah, I'm going to cap it with this. Like it is, but it's and because we get into the media weeds on this thing because these mm-hmm. jobs are are wild and they're interesting. It is. Like Marcus Thompson, you know, nobody could ever replace the fact that that our Marcus Thompson, who, you know, is a Bay Area columnist, been around the Warriors forever, came from the ground up with Steph Curry. That just changes yeah. the, the way you can tell a story. And, and that's, that's the deal right. with Eric, too. Yeah, that's I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like you when you have a chance to early. Do this, you need to make you need to make the most of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been it's been really nice to see that that Eric has indeed done that. And, you know, I mean, you think about some of the some of the, you know, Giannis is and he's not um, he you know, he's not LeBron. He's not Steph from the, the standpoint of that. It's harder to get him to share stuff, even if right. you are even if you do have that relationship. So the story that Eric dropped last year where Giannis opened up about um you know, failing in the in the conference finals and and sort of his approach leading up to that 
was awesome and extremely well read and, you know, an example of, of getting a guy who mostly speaks in cliches, I think, um, to, to really kind of get past that. So, um, before we move on to who they're going to play, uh, on, on Thursday, um, do they make, can't, is there a roster flexibility here? Is there contract flexibility? Is there a move or two that the Bucks can or should make by February? Whew. It's it's pretty tough because the it I mean over the summer it appeared that they had no interest in going into luxury tax. Like if they wanted to keep Malcolm Brogdon, they could have kept Malcolm Malcolm Brogdon and gone into luxury tax, and they opted not to. And obviously, I've asked ownership about it. I've asked John Horst about it, uh, and their their company line is that if we if we feel it's necessary we will go into luxury tax but also the first time they had a real opportunity to do so to solidify a contender they opted not to and when i asked a couple more times there was concerns about the repeater tax and knowing that you know if they sign Giannis to that supermax extension they're going to be in the tax for years to come and didn't want to add a year on front so uh i think it's fair to doubt whether they will willingly add on any sort of contract that would that would push them into the luxury tax so uh that you know, makes flexibility a little bit more difficult uh, to kind of go through. But I think the the thing with this roster that's interesting and why it helps them put up such, I mean, such ridiculous numbers on the margins. So like if you watch this Bucks team that, you know, there's, there's nights where they win by 30 and you just see the margins of these games just grow and grow and grow. And it's largely because it, their starters don't play a ton of minutes. Like if you look up and down the roster, those guys aren't playing anywhere near the amount of minutes. Other starters in the league are, they're going to their bench pretty early, but they happen to have guys in spots eight through 13. That would be probably five through 10 on most rosters. And when you get into garbage time, those guys just clean up like guys like Pat Connaughton. Uh, I mean, Dante DiVincenzo, even the lower guys on the roster, like Dragon Bender and Frank Mason, the third, like those guys have all found success here in Milwaukee. So uh, essentially what I'm saying here is you have a, a bunch of players at the end of that roster that in the playoffs, you're not going to go 13 deep. Like 10 through 13 don't matter in the playoffs. So is there some thought to, all right, let's grab six, eight, 10 in 12 in this rotation. Let's package them together. And then let's get a number seven that we know can play in playoffs games. Like that has to be at least part of the calculus for this Bucks team and kind of how they think through that, how they would do it is going to be a little bit difficult because they don't have a ton of, uh, contracts among those players that you can really add up to get to uh you know a player that's in double digit salary figures like Ursani Leisova has a seven million dollar contract so you could get him and like three other players and get into the teens maybe uh for a contract so that's the part that's kind of difficult but I think that's the question that kind of looms and we've seen John Horst in the past uh obviously it's not a long history he's had as general manager but you know, last year he went out and made an Nikola Mirotic trade where I don't think anyone thought the Bucks had the assets or the the contracts or anything to go out and get that. So John has shown he will be aggressive. Uh, and so I think they're a team to watch out for. I think it's a little bit difficult for them. There's not clear cut paths to making a trade, but I do think it is something that they'll be thinking about. So, Eric, we are going to segue to the Lakers here in a quick minute, but let's cap the Bucks segment with this. 
the Lakers have LeBron and AD because last summer, and even going back to that trade, even before the summertime, uh, it became the dynamic duo NBA again, where it was Russ and James. It was the uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, LeBron and AD. Your updated perspective on the status of Chris Middleton as Giannis's wingman, and I'm asking partly because I enjoyed talking to Chris today, and part of our chat was like, you know, are you feeling any, you know, in the here and the now and almost 2020, any different sense of pressure is being the guy that is most expected to to help, you know, the Giannis and the whole group achieve what they want to. Uh, what are your thoughts on Chris's year so far with that role? I think the the big thing with Chris is that he knows Giannis likes to really come on strong during the second, third, and then hopefully be done with his work by the fourth quarter. So he knows the second and third quarter are the spots where he needs to get out of the way and just let Giannis go to work. So if you watch Bucks games, you're going to see Chris Middleton often come out of the gates very hot. And then you're going to see him kind of disappear for that second and third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, you're going to see him come back, hit a couple more shots. And if they need a clutch three, that's going to be the guy that they lean on. And he's kind of melded his game sort of perfectly into what Giannis needs. So to me, it is a really symbiotic relationship. But obviously, I would guess as you're hearing me say that you're thinking to yourself, well, what happens if Giannis doesn't have a good second or third quarter, right? Can he step up right. in those moments? Right. And and I think that that remains the big question for Chris is, you know, in those moments, can you step up against the Raptors last year? Uh, he had Kawhi Leonard on him at the start of the series, and then they moved Kyle Lowry over to him. They sent double teams at him. And to his credit, like Chris is a very willing passer and he he will go out of his way to get players involved. And I think he's probably a little bit underrated in that aspect. but. Sometimes you just need a guy to say, I'm going to go get a bucket right now. And I don't need like I it, right play. Be damned. I'm going to go get a bucket. And Chris often doesn't want to play that way. Like he wants to make the right play. So he's a good fit for a regular season team. That's trying to do all these things. That's trying to put together a bunch of wins. That's trying to play that Spurs basketball that we know from, you know, like the 2012 era all that. But there is some times where it's just like, Chris, don't need you to pass right now. Like, need you to go get a bucket. And I think that's going to remain the thing that just sticks out with Chris is can he do it in those moments? Last year, he was a willing passer in those moments and got guys involved. But if Eric Bledsoe shooting 17% from the three point line, Brooke Lopez is shooting 25% from the three point line, Malcolm Brogdon is coming back from an injury, they don't need him to pass. They, they need him to score. Right, right. And, and, and that to me is, is kind of where that question remains. And the only way that I think Chris can really answer that is, is in the playoffs and to it uh, and to his absolute credit, he has destroyed the Boston Celtics both times. He's played them the last two playoff series against the Celtics. He has absolutely destroyed them. Like it, they're in TD garden. Now when Chris Middleton touched the touches the ball, there's an audible gasp. Like you can hear the whole crowd just go, Oh, Cause they know what's going in. Like he, right, he right, plays really well right. against that team, but that has to carry over to the rest of the Eastern conference and the rest of those moments where they need him. All right. Great stuff. Uh, let's talk Lake show. Cause they're coming to town and uh, Joe, I think it's the privilege of being the national dude from our place. Who's going to be there. Uh, if I would have known that Luka Doncic was going to get hurt and this Mavs bucks game, wasn't going to be what it should have been. You know, maybe I would have joined Joe, but uh 
this game, I'm losing the timeline. Today's Monday. When is this game, guys? Later of the week. Thursday. It's, uh, it's Thursday. Thursday, Thursday yeah. TNT. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, TNT, here on the Tampering Pod. We're hyping your product. Uh, should be fun. You got, you know, two titans of this regular season, two best teams from each conference coming together at a time when they're both putting on a show. I mean, those highlights last night in Atlanta and just that game in general, and we were sat there watching most of that game when Eric and I hung out. I mean, it's those boys are having fun with the Lakers guys, and and it's wild to see uh, LeBron is engaged, you know, every single night. Uh, his spirit seems to be wonderful. Uh, by the way, we can get into it if you want, Joe, but shout out to you. A great story from Columbus and, and LeBron going back to see his son, Bronny, play for the first time against his alma mater, St. Vincent, St. V, but like everything with the yeah. Lakers is clicking everything. And, you know, and then we're going to see how they size up against the bucks. Uh, what do you guys think of the purple and gold at the moment? Yeah. I mean, if you think about the hottest team in the NBA is the bucks, they've won 18 straight. And then the, the next hottest team is the Lakers. They've won seven. Both teams are 24 and three. Um, the bucks are going to be without Eric Bledsoe for a little bit. Um, Kuzma over there for the Lakers is hurt. Uh, I'm not sure when he'll be back, but you talk about how much fun they're having. And then you talk about LeBron and you talk about, um, what's going on with his son and, and what we all saw Saturday night in Columbus, a couple hours South of here. And I really, I kind of think it's all connected in a way. Um, the Lakers are this good because LeBron is back and fully engaged. I do believe that Anthony Davis has made a tremendous difference. No question about that. Um, but they are who they are because LeBron is back and he's having as much fun as he has had probably in a long time. Um, certainly his last year in Cleveland, he, he had, he played some really, really remarkable stretches of basketball, but there was also a, a pretty long stretch that he didn't like it. Um, and, and so he's just having so much fun here, and part of it is – and he says this. He's rejuvenated by watching his sons take up the game. He was in Columbus on Saturday night to watch Bronny play against his alma mater, St. Vincent St. Mary's from Akron. Um, Bronny plays for uh, an L.A. school, Sierra Canyon, and LeBron himself was sitting there on the sidelines, courtside, acting like a total goofball. Um, just the corniest dad, uh, that you can imagine. I mean, you know, barking at the players, like telling Bronny, let's go, maybe even throwing an F word in there a couple times. Um, you know, and the, at the same time, he's slapping fives with the same V guys. Like he, he had a blast. And so then it, it, it was no surprise to me at all. And on a Sunday in Atlanta, you know, after a weekend in Miami with teammates and LeBron's flying around the country that he goes out and, and, and plays like he did. He's going to be, he is, was just named while we were recording this. He was named the Western Conference Player of the Week. Um, you know, he's got a million of those when you count all the ones he won on the East, in the East. Um, but, but he's on a roll and he's enjoying it and the Lakers are enjoying it. And I think part of that is, is, is LeBron's attitude. I really do. One thing Sam and I were talking about last night was, we were talking about the Lakers coming to Milwaukee and all that. And one thing that has stood out to me is the way LeBron closes out on defense. Now, like it reminds me of some of the prime, like force of nature, LeBron defensive effort. And, you know, Sam was quick to add, like that also sets the tone for Anthony Davis. And when, when you look at what 
Anthony Davis is doing with all the blocks that he's getting. I think everyone kind of hoped and wished like this was what he was going to, to always be on the defensive end and it just kind of as a complete player. And it, it kind of seems like he just needed someone to set the example is someone to, to set the standard and to LeBron's credit in year 17, he's somehow doing that. Like defensively, he's, he's doing that. He's showing this is how hard we're going to play. And I think it's just been huge for Anthony Davis. And now those two are just rolling. And, uh, to me, the defensive end sticks out with both those guys because they're giving effort on that end that I, uh, for LeBron, we haven't seen in a while. And I don't know that we've ever seen Anthony Davis play this hard in the defensive end. Well, with LeBron uh, last year, uh, he played about half of a season, and then when you consider how long he normally plays, having <laughs> gone to the to the previous eight straight finals, he played less than a half a year of basketball for him. So on the on the one hand, when we we're all talking about year seventeen, and we can't believe it, like the energy, but he has never had a layoff like this. So he yeah. he should be re- rejuvenated. Um, but but the other thing that that you guys were talking about that makes sense to me is just this idea of um, LeBron with the defensive closeouts and sort of how he's carrying himself on on that end. And yes, that has a positive effect in, throughout the rest of the locker room when they are being asked to defend and he does it too. Um, in years two, three, and four in Cleveland, he didn't really do that. But it was a different thing. Like it was almost okay – um, uh, it was okay in that locker room because they knew what he would do come April, that he took on an, ex- uh, an extra amount of the burden and carried these teams, um, led them to four finals. But, but he knew that he'd be playing that long. So there was a component of this where he would purposefully rest on that end because mm-hmm. he knew he'd be playing games. Here, I don't know if it's because of Anthony Davis or what the deal is, but he is playing harder earlier in the year. Yeah, and I think it stands out. It does. It does. And I mean, I would love to, Joe, you can have this conversation with him at some point. You guys end up diving deep on the regular. But I, you know, you think as a father, you think about Bronny, like, okay, now he's at a point where his basketball life is extremely competitive. I mean, there's probably days where LeBron thinks to himself, like, I can't play one end of the floor because Bronny's watching. Like, that sets a bad example for your kid. You know, Uh, AD is a, a much older version of, it's kind of his kid and his work life right now. I mean, there's a pretty significant age gap between those two guys. What I have loved about their dynamic, even though Anthony is so much younger, he clearly is not afraid to, whether you call it push back against LeBron or motivate LeBron in different ways. There was a game a couple games ago where he talked afterwards about how he had to get into LeBron and tell him, like, stop being passive, like make a mark on the game. What are you doing? And, you know, that takes some, some cojones to say that to that guy. And, you know, their chemistry just relationship wise seems to be great. You know, and and Eric and I talked last night about, and I wrote about this a few weeks ago, like the unexpected chemistry between this unorthodox coaching staff and their group, you know, Frank Vogel, Jason Kidd, Lionel Hollins, Phil Handy and kind of the coaching by committee with a defensive focus and, and actually getting all these, these kind of, you know, fascinating personalities to buy in the Rondos, the Dwight's, the JaVale's, you know, all of the above. Um, I mean, this is not the way we thought we were going to be talking about these Lakers when it was late July. Yeah, there's still been a, a discussion about their relative lack of strength of schedule, which I I mean, I'm going to say now on December 16th that that's overrated and that they're going to be fine, that they've, they've shown to be better than maybe we thought. 
Um, but when they start playing those ESPN Saturday night games and, or those ABC Saturday night games and those ESPN Sunday games against some of the best teams in the East, they still got to play the Clippers a bunch more. I, I guess we'll get a better sense. Um, I, I just think when you look at who the Lakers have been and, and they are very good defensively and LeBron's just been ridiculous, um, all this has been happening where Kuzma, if you just, if you recall, Sam, we were talking about how, Okay, well, if the Lakers are going to be anything this year, like, yeah, they have the two guys at the top, but then, they, like, Kyle Kuzma has to be healthy and great, or they're going to be in trouble. And he has been neither, and they're they're fine. Yeah, right. Well, and I've even heard, uh, you know, I forget whose pot it was I listened to the other day, you know, now question creeping in of would the Lakers think about moving Kuzma for a piece, you know, and that's what happens when you don't make yourself look like you are a necessary part of the program. To your point, Joe, about strength of schedule, you know, and, and hyping this game on Thursday, I would say, I mean, to whatever degree games matter in late December, which is they don't, but, um, you know, the Bucks, if they want to keep feeling themselves as the team that it appears they are, you got to win this game at home because, you know, you've been running roughshod through everybody on this winning streak. Uh, I glanced yesterday at ESPN's BPI, the Basketball Power Index, and I did not realize the just massive gap between the Bucks, Mark, and the Lakers and, and the rest of the field. I mean, it's in terms of the metrics and the analytics, you know, the Bucks are in a class all their own right now. So, you know, we'll see if that actually bears out on Thursday. I'll, I'll be interested to see, you know, how that game is viewed because I think the Bucks thought they had one of those against the Clippers uh, two Fridays ago. And everyone was excited about it. Here's the real test. Are the Bucks for real? And then they smoked them. And right. then ever and then everyone said, "Oh, you know, well, the Clippers—they're not quite right yet. They're still they're still figuring things out." Which I, I mean, I think to some extent is who's true. everyone, Eric? You're, you're pulling everyone <laughs> card. Who's yeah. everyone? <laughs> uh, plenty of people that work at a different company uh, that, than the one that we are employed by. That's um, been. Yeah, yeah, that that was what the, that was what I was thinking of. Um, but I, I, it's interesting to me that I don't think you can say that same thing about this Lakers team. Like the the that card can be played with the Clippers. They are still trying to figure out how this all works out. You know how Kawhi and Paul George play off each other. Kawhi tends to not much care about the regular season. Uh, to this right. point, this Lakers team has shown. I think a level of care in this regular season that this does mean something to them, that they want to show that they are a legitimate basketball team and they have things clicking pretty well. So I think all of those, those possible qualifiers disappear. Uh, if you know, the bucks beat the Lakers, uh, then I think maybe it, it becomes a little bit more real to everyone because you know, the strength of schedule stuff people are saying about the Lakers, they're saying that about the bucks as well, that, that the bucks haven't really played anyone in this win streak and, and now they got to go out and prove it. So that, that's why this, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited for this Thursday game. Very good gentlemen. That seems like a great spot to call it. Um, you, two of you will enjoy that game without me. So that'll be fun on Thursday. Uh, Eric and I got to get ready for this game. Tonight against the Luca list Mavericks. Probably not going to see Luca for a couple of weeks, which is a total bummer. I'm going to write later in the week about the MVP race and where he falls and LeBron and Giannis and Harden, all the other guys. But fun season so far. Great stuff. Talking about the best of the best. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Keep killing it. And for the loyal tampering listeners, we appreciate you. Make sure if you haven't subscribed, review, give us feedback. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, boys. 
Cool.